Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Ahmed Reza, founder and CEO of Yobi, on the business application of AI technology and how it is changing collaboration and communication. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Ahmed Reza, founder and CEO CEO of Yobi, and the co-founder of the nonprofit Trep Hub. I'm interested in hearing about both of those, of course, but welcome, Ahmed. Thank you so much for having me, Christian. So we're talking today about the application of AI technology. It's all the rage out there. Everybody's talking about AI and what it'll be the, the, the fear mongering is out in force as well about what it's gonna do to industry. Uh, so I'd love to get some of your thoughts about that as well. Um, but the application of AI technology within industry and research and specifically uh, how AI is being used within the collaboration and communication space. So maybe we can start with your background. Tell us about, you know, more about what you're doing with Yobi and your nonprofit activities as well. Certainly. Um, I'm a geek. So I went to school at Cornell many, many moons ago. I got my start uh, at the DARPA Grand Challenge. So I was part of the team at Cornell uh, working on self-driving cars. And that sounds a lot more grand than it actually uh, was. We were, we struggled to get the vehicle out of the garage and <laughs> But honestly, at that time, I was like, oh, my, oh my God, who's going to solve this? And then Carnegie Mellon uh, was one of the first uh, company, uh, one of the first universities and teams that actually got the vehicle through the desert. Hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it, a desert is a pretty easy place to do self-driving, right? Pretty, and usually it, pretty open, not have to worry about, you know, damaging anything. Right. Uh, and nowadays you are driving through the streets and there's no... It's not LIDAR, like LIDAR was the thing that they, they used. And nowadays people are driving through the streets with just cameras. Um, so things have come a long way. Uh, so after, uh, after that, I actually got a job at NASA. I was one of the youngest engineers there. I worked on the Spitzer Space Telescope, uh, doing image processing for the Spitzer Space Telescope. It was just so much fun. And I've just, I just feel like I've been so fortunate to have a career where I can't believe I get paid to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Join... I have to ask just a side question on that. I'm working for NASA. Was it, is it more of a, uh, you know, it's almost like pursuing a path through academia versus, uh, uh, you know, um, commercial? Um, is, is it a bit more on the, like the research side? It's like, it's great to have the experience and the projects that you work on if you want to make real money, you got to go, go elsewhere. I, I'm asking partly because I've got a son that's on that track. Uh, so NASA proper is mostly administrators. So the, the work gets done often by JPL or uh, partners. I was at Cornell and I worked with the Cornell team and Dr. James Haupt, uh, God rest his soul. He was, he was the principal investigator. I started out as, uh, as a work study for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, uh, very interesting story. I was really I was a poor kid, uh, 
and I was going to have to drop out because of financial reasons. And he comes to me and says, why are you, why are you quitting your job? I said, well, I can't do work study because I'm not going to be studying at Cornell next semester. He goes, why is that? I explained to him the financial situation. Uh, and he tells me the project that I was working on for him, there were several PhDs that gave up over several years. Hmm. So I was working uh, initially on the same detector as was on the Hubble telescope. And this was like really old code. So I'm a good problem solver. I love puzzles. Mm -hmm. uh, I love learning stuff. So he offered me a job to go work on the Special Space Telescope. And they do the real work. Like uh, at these institutions, they do the real hardcore work. Yeah. So I was doing work for some researchers doing the, uh, doing the programming for the chip. Uh, but it was just, it was so much fun. Uh, from a pay perspective, I, th I thought it was a lot of, to me, it was a lot of money, you know? It yeah. was either that or, or going to work at a grocery store. Yeah. Well, that's, tell you why. It, it's funny because I've got two STEM kids and my oldest, uh, my daughter, who was, uh, she got her master's in public health administration. She was, uh, you know, um, you know, top of her class and doing really well, but sure. So she was on the track to become like a CEO, like the hospital CEO. So she's there in the Minneapolis area. And, uh, and then she got offers from tech companies doing data, data science for the, the medical industry and like double their income with that one move. Um, that's why I keep telling my, my son, again, not knowing enough about the space, he's in the atmospheric sciences space. So, right. um, you know, we just refer to him as weather boy, but, uh, but he, uh, you know, I, I suspect, so he, he just, uh, started his first salary job having graduated in December, um, from university of Utah. And, um, and so I think he's got a plan too. He's, he's like staying within that kind of science academia, um, research companies, but, um, for him to take that experience for two, three years, and can, will likely be able to double or more his salary by moving into the private sector. We should put a pin on this question because this is going to be a bigger AI question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry. Time. Sorry for taking it sideways, but that that's what happens with organic discussions. But well, back to talk about uh, like Yobi. What, what no, is the I company? seriously mean, yeah. let's put a pin on this and come back to this later because okay. I think by the end of this conversation, that those two questions are going to be very relevant. Yeah. Okay especially with AI and everything that's going on, right? Yeah. Jobs, future economy, and like what we tell our kids. Yep. So uh, absolutely relevant. Sorry, what was that? So about talking about your company, about Yobi. Okay, so at Yobi, um, what we do is we actually build digital synthetic clones that help you with your communications. Uh, that's why I'd asked you like, um, how much do you know about Yobi? Because my phones have notifications turned off and let me introduce you to my teammate let me so that i can do this hey, i'm ahmed yobi a synthetic agent trained on his personal data and communications it's nice to meet you all that's my synthetic agent it speaks on my behalf it handles it acts like an sdr you can text it 24 7 speaks 40 languages wow. i speak five and a few years ago, after I sold my previous startup, which I use machine learning to figure out marketing for dental dentists. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, I realized AI is really underutilized. 
And because of the hype cycles, what ends up happening is, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, Watson's going to change the world, right? And then it doesn't quite live up to that. But then people kind of throw the baby with the bath water, right? Yep. Um, and that's where I see opportunity. I'm an entrepreneur, right? Uh, so I, I saw that and I was like, there's a lot more that AI can do, even in its current state that it wasn't doing. We had just figured out how to record calls, transcribe them, figure out uh, which calls were converting for dentists. Mm-hmm. And by doing, and this is why I was actually coming out of Provo. There's a lot of dental companies there, yeah. right? Yep. So um, by doing that, we were able to get an extra $400,000 in revenue for our dentists, for wow. each dental office on average, right? Which wow. is insane when you think, yeah. otherwise you're flying blind on your marketing. And this is just a tiny little application of AI. Um, after I sold that company, it did pretty well because I bootstrapped it, uh, became a an investor in private equity, learned a little bit more about business. My background is really hardcore engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did some, um, my earliest AI experience, uh, professional AI experience was doing artificial intelligence for unmanned aerial vehicles. Oh. Uh, uh, so everybody's like, oh my God, AI and drones. I'm like, yeah, man, that's like 20 years too late now. It's been there, yeah. but also not as glorious because uh, I got yelled at often for making very sissy drones that were run away from a fight because <laughs> I was I was in charge of making sure uh, that their defensive capabilities that were there and these were like surveillance drones so they would run they would run from the battlefield and I had some major yelling at me. Uh, this was in simulation, not yeah. real. So uh, the application of artificial intelligence has been around, as you know, for for like. God, 60 years or longer. Right. Uh, it's just uh, when it when we get used to it, we just call it tech. When it's new, we're like, ooh, AI, it's so smart. Right? It's like magic. Right. Um, but it, it has been magical to work in the field to get machines to do more and more and make our lives easier. So in 2018, like after I sold my previous company, there was this paper that came out called, uh, the paper came out a little earlier about transformers, like attention is all you need. And I thought to myself, if I could use a little bit of machine learning to transcribe, analyze, and figure out all these details and really change uh, the lives of many dentists who are still friends, mm-hmm. wonder what I could do if I had access to more of their information. I bet I could build a brain in the cloud that would be like, you know, um, you know, as a business owner, I've often been like, man, I wish I had two of myself. Right. And I think a lot of people go, I wish I had another version of myself that can go do these very high value tasks like pitch Yobi or pitch my company, you know, handle phone calls 24 seven. Right. Um, And I was like, might as well, might as well try, (laughs) might as well try to build this thing. And it's called Yobi. It's short for Yobi Byte. It's Y-I-B Inc., uh, which stands for two to the power 80. It's the highest denomination of bytes that you can have. And I thought it was the coolest domain name ever um, and that everybody would get that we were clearly an AI company or a data company, right? Because <laughs> we would collect all of the data, we'd you know, operate on it and help your business. Um, and then all, all of my friends and marketers were like, dude, what are you doing? Like nobody gets what that is. Well, is it, so I'll ask you this, is Yobi.com or is it Yobi.io? It's because funny, all of the... Uh, uh, all of the blockchain, all of the AI companies, all like pulled in the IO domains. Right. You know, so it, it was yib.io. That was the original domain, but hmm. now the current domain is yobi.app. Uh, so 
Utah is actually instrumental in this also. One of the reasons all these amazing companies exist in Utah is because go to market, right? Oftentimes in small businesses, which is the space that I knew, it's really hard to sell to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if I could build a really simple, easy to use communication app that looks just like a phone, right? It looks like another phone button on your phone. It works everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just like iMessage works everywhere. Yobi works everywhere. We bring together phone, Twitter, um, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, all of the communi- all of the ways that somebody could communicate with your business. We bring it into one app and simplify the interface to mm-hmm. make it just like a text messaging interface. So if you, you as the business owner don't need to go learn like a new fancy, you know, um, IVR phone tree or anything like that. Right. right. I thought to myself, if I built that um, and put that out on the various app stores and made it super easy, I wonder if uh, business owners would just come to it and would avoid the very expensive sales cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then quite uh, it was, unfortunately, but also fortunately, COVID happened. And people are sitting at home going, oh, my God, I can't answer my PBX system at, at work. So we said Yobi, the Unified Communications app. You download this app, it just makes things simple. You can collaborate. So I can download Yobi and be up and running within a few minutes. I can tag in my employees and they don't have to be with me. They could be anywhere in the world. They can see my conversations. It's all very, very collaborative. Hmm. The ultimate vision for that was eventually the collaborator would be the AI. It would look at all of your conversations. It would be context aware and could answer the phone when you can't or and can give you insights that you don't see. Um, and would eventually, as you connect more systems to it, like your HubSpot, your Salesforce, and we're in all these marketplaces, as you connect different systems to it, it would help you sell more. It, would, it could coach you, train you. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, first six months, we got 300 customers. And... Uh, I remember talking to a very iconic football player from here who's an investor. Uh, he goes, dude, for your sake, I hope the money you're sinking into this thing is worth it. Because <laughs> I'd taken my own money and funded it because yeah. I was crazy enough. I just really wanted to try this thing, right? And 2018, 2019, like crypto's really hot. And here's this weird guy working on AI in his garage, burning GPUs. <laughs> uh, Turned out that was the right call. That was the right thing to do because after a little while, suddenly we started ranking on the Android store and it went from 300 customers to 1,000 in less than a month. And that trend continued. So now we have more than 16,000 uh, small businesses signed up on our platform. And so the next challenge was, okay, this is a very sophisticated AI system. How do we communicate that to our customers without creeping them out. Yeah. Like as, so Yobi does things like uh, if I send an off-color message, Yobi understands and can tell you, chill, dude, are you sure you want to send this? Yeah. And it can reformulate that text for you. We call it text magic. Uh, so if you type in like WTF uh, and you want to do it like a professional CEO, it'll reformulate that and say, I'm a little bit confused about what you're <laughs> uh, nice. uh, and in a business it's, it's, context, it's your PR person is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's that cool head that's always there, rational, helpful. And the goal is to help your business. 
and uh, our business model and everything else in my head was pretty straightforward because as I went from being a geek and you know an engineer to an entrepreneur, I learned all of these lessons the hard way. And one of the hardest things to scale for me was sales mm-hmm. and customer service. This was just so incredibly difficult. And I spent time figuring it out. And that's where growing the company was hard. So this was me also solving one of my pain points and solving pain points for a lot of the amazing entrepreneurs that I knew. Uh, And then it turns out this is actually a much bigger problem than that. And the AI in the middle is actually a much bigger innovation than I thought, because here's this thing that now speaks in my voice, can carry on 700 simultaneous conversations and literally adds value in ways that was unimaginable before. So when you talk about collaborating in Yobi, you don't just collaborate with your teammates, you collaborate with your synthetic agents who do work on your behalf. And you can go in and just like you would tell your teammate, hey, next time say this, or maybe don't say this, we're out of stock on this. Whatever it is, you can send internal notes and the AI learns over time. Mm-hmm. And the best part is it's like an intern. Once you've trained it, you watch it exceed you. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of this fascinating thing. You train this, you train this thing once. And after that, it's just like a machine. Yeah. Because it is. You know, it's, it, I'm fascinated by this, this space. And I, I think people are starting to understand the, the training required. Um, I mean, like I was just explaining um, something about chat GPT to somebody that was unfamiliar, hadn't been in there playing with it and, and saying, well, the, the, just like any query, um, you know, the, the, the quality of the results is dependent on the structure of the query. It, it's r- r- true with chat GPT, although you can use natural language to go and do that. Hmm. But where it, it learns about that, you know, one, one thing that's different of traditional search versus using the AI based search is that. It, you're like you're this the session remains open like you ask a broad question and then your follow-up question it's doing that in context of it's learning from what you've already asked and give you a more refined answer and, and i'm comparing this to so what was it 2004 2005 i think 2005 mm-hmm. uh i was working with a very large client um here in uh, in lehigh utah in fact i was flying in every Monday from Seattle and flying home every Friday. Um, did that for almost a year, uh, and uh, which I don't recommend to anybody. By the way, um, that kind of travel. Stuff. I actually actually commuted to Vegas after I saw my last company. I would go to Vegas in the morning and fly back in the evening. Uh, you get to know the staff really well with airlines. Uh, yeah, I know people that did that with like Northern Southern California and stuff. But it's like I just I couldn't do that. Uh, that that lifestyle, but uh, you know, being anyway. So for the, this company, uh, and they wanted to deploy. They had a huge uh, customer service department and hundreds of agents, and helping deploy and and build out their you know automated. It's basically like automating their call tree and the answers and and things around that. But was uh, to make that seamless for the agents. It was all programming there was no ai it was a chat bot essentially internal only that they would go and enter questions in there but and it you know it was not so much that it was learning it wasn't as it wasn't getting more intelligent um we would just see where responses weren't a fit and we look at how it was answered and then we would add to the 
database of responses and which we're constantly refining and tweaking and adding to you know the 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 data set but with ai it, it's actually it's it's learning from that it's looking at the context of questions asked where they go next uh, and it, it is able to speed up its own learning process that's the the major difference so i, I mean i was going to ask you about like like what is the change that you see happening with communication technology kind of in response to these AI tools. Uh, it, it, it's touching pretty much everything these days. Oh, absolutely. So that's why we believe that this is the future of communications. Um, if you look at our, our lives, you know, we only get one. We are ephemeral, not machines. Um, if so, so far. Avoid, yeah. <laughs> if we could avoid uh, a lot of conversations where it's just scheduling yeah. or if it's like, you know, making an appointment with the dentist, whatever have you, your life wouldn't be worse off. Yeah. You would have more time to connect more deeply with other humans. You'd have deeper conversations. And it makes sense that the AI does a lot of the work for you instead of trying to beat a whole bunch of humans to comply, to try to be decent machines, they use a machine. Let the machine be a really good machine so we could be really good humans. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I just was thinking where you said uh, like calendaring, that's a big time suck. Mm -hmm. Booking travel to yep. my preferences, that's a big time suck. Uh, you're just thinking of all the different ways that, you know, would be great to just point an AI version of me at to go and... So, Look, industry has done a great job of aggregating and allow like the choices, but you still have to spend the time going through and sorting through based on the preferences. What's my drive time? Oh, is that going to put me in the middle of traffic, either on my way there or the way back and kind of all those things? Um, yeah, I believe that computing is fundamentally changing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the way I see it, like computers, phones, all of these things were transitionary technologies. Because if I put my phone in front of you, you're never going to want to see me again. That's not who we are, right? But we have this thing and we're trying to talk to the computer using a screen, whereas we're used to doing this. We're used to just speaking a natural language. So if the phone doesn't get between you and me, that totally changes how we use technology. We yeah. can still connect and it can handle a lot of the, lot of the work. And now that you can speak to it, even think about things like programming languages, right? I'm a programmer. When you write code, you write good code, not for the machine. The machine does not care what you name your variables. Mm -hmm. The next programmer will care a lot if you name your variables X, Y, Z, and something really cryptic, and they can't understand it. So you literally write code, and you have coding standards, and you have all of this stuff that's built around humans communicating with other humans after the fact, right? Um, well, if you could just talk to the machine and the machine could just do something for you and produce binaries that would run programs, that's a whole different paradigm. Yeah. That makes it much more accessible. It's like making programming accessible to somebody, you know, in a language where they don't have, because most of programming is in English, right? Mm -hmm. C++, plus, most of the languages are in English. So um, imagine a world where you just talk to the computer in your native language and it just does it right it just does it because uh if you if you look at how the the modern ai stack works people can't explain it because it's not programmed 
you can have it explained, but it's just it's just binary sorted just in the right way. It's just, you know, it's silicon sorted just in the right way to do the things that you want. And ultimately that's pretty efficient. Yeah, it's uh I mean what do you I mean there, there's so many different areas where you can see that there will be impact. And I like, again, there's now is the time where people are starting to, they see a little bit of it. I love the memes that are out there too. You kind of described this at the beginning where you're like so excited about the new AI technology. And then there's, uh, uh, you know, the, there's like the downward uh, cycle of then fear. What is this going to do to my job? And then there's, you know, in, in the anxiety around that. And then there, and then it's back on the rise. I say, oh, I see what its limitations are. Um, here's how I can actually use this and how it improves what I'm doing. So there's this adoption cycle, you know, the hype cycle, the exciting, there's the downward trend, and then there's a, a, a more realistic, you know, upturn at the end of people realize, ah, this is where it actually fits. Like being a marketing guy, you know, and everybody talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, and you can go have, you know, it write, just write articles for you and create all this content. Have you looked at any of that content that it automatically generates? It's not good. It, right. It, it's a, there's a reason why like it's, it, there's no replacement of the human element to go in and add tone and voice and kind of all those things. Um, you've also got the ghost in the machine type, you know, thing going on with AI and it'll pull out if you ask it to provide references to links to things. And most of those are garbage links, but it's also, it's limited by, just like any query to any data, it's limited to the data that it has access to, and where most of the 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 you know the libraries, the data that it has access to, are based on you know up into the point where they were programmed, they were put in place. So usually, you know, it's a year or two old where it's getting a lot of that that info. And so, again, I go back to kind of the fundamentals of querying data. It's you know the quality of the query. Um, it's the access to the the permissions it's the uh and then then making using the right you know terminology the um you know to 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 be able to query that you know that that data um it, it, where do you see kind of the most promising applications of ai technology like where where do you see it so, gonna have i don't the, know if you see my thing? background but i'm coming from the starship enterprise that's the transport yeah. Right. And to me, I think uh, that's kind of the promise of computing and AI, uh, where the computer is ubiquitous. You just say, computer, do this for me. You ask it for magical things like make me coffee from wh wherever. Right. And it's, it's really crazy when those things come to life. And I feel like we're almost at the cusp of that, um, that kind of technology where I can just ask my Yobi and say, what's my what's my next appointment? That's easy, right? But then saying, what should I do strategically to improve sales next month? You know, or I'm not feeling that well. What do you recommend I do about this next meeting? It can, it can think through that with you. So it's this, uh, it's a transformative experience with the computer where the computer aids you in ways that I don't, I don't think that we've really imagined. And as far as like the fear of job loss and all of, uh, all of those things, I believe the transformational change of artificial intelligence is actually bigger than the industrial revolution. This is, this is a really significant change. And uh, once we started getting construction equipment, for example, 
we didn't just stop building and say like let's lay off every builder like go try to find somebody building you're getting a house right yeah like i'm pretty sure you'll be like where are these builders right we didn't stop building we started building skyscrapers we started building more grand visions right mm -hmm. without oppressing people by making them carry bricks on their back all the way up the pyramid right yeah. people build built big structures before but the way we build it now is more humane bigger better right and i think that is really the promise of technology that's how it's really always been when i was growing up in bangladesh um i actually watched people starve to death there was a there was a drought uh, in the 80s, it was, uh, and it was in my formative years um, before I immigrated. It was just so devastating. And everybody was worried that the global population was so big that people would starve to death in the future, and it would be this dystopian future. And, uh, you know, this is why I love geeks. Like, some geeks were like, no, we're, we're going to figure this out, right? Yeah. And look at us today you know uh, we have an obesity crisis almost everywhere who would have thought right and that's uh those are some of the unintended consequences uh, also so it's it's a good idea to think through what you're building but ultimately i think the folks behind the tech are very important um, and the motivation behind it is very really important and with technology as powerful as artificial intelligence the kind of artificial intelligence we're seeing now mm -hmm that really unlocks the capabilities of humans, that's really where the value is ultimately going to come from. I mean, your AI is not going to sit there and like your Tesla is not going to go for a drive by itself, right? Doesn't care. Yeah. Right? It's yes, it has AI, it's a robot, but it is not going to go on a stroll. That's a very human thing. Um, so what this is going to do is unlock a lot more uh, imagination, value, and uh, I believe that it will actually unlock plenty, but we have to be careful and thoughtful because we've recently been victims of dumb AI, as in like, hey, let's just get more eyeballs on this and flood right. the kids' brains with dopamine. Right. Uh, well, yeah, that that's uh, that's a whole different conversation and agree. And it's uh, something that is a Gen Xer. I don't understand a lot of it. Just like, you know, I I was sitting uh, in my car earlier this morning, um, had to run an errand. And uh, my as I was sitting in a light and I look up to the field over to my left and a little bit of wind kicked up and just watching the wind, the waves of wind rolling like through the grass in this little this field there on the side of the road there and i and i thought to myself about how um when i was a kid um growing up in the the bay area so the san, you know, the san francisco east bay for those that are familiar with the area um the, growing up at the base of mount diablo and sitting outside going outside as kids you live outside it's kind of a I know there's a lot of memes out there for Gen Xers that were the last feral kids, you know, that we'd be up, eat breakfast, and then we would disappear for the whole day on Saturday and we'd come home. We knew we had to be home when it was dark or before it was dark. Um, things that we would never think to allow our kids to do on their own these days. But um, just thinking of, of the, kind of the simplicity of like, how many times do I pause to, to look at the, the rest of the things? And one of the dangers of like all the tech is that, you know, especially the kids today, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that my four kids, none of them are really like 
gamers. Like they didn't get sucked in on that. I, I don't have a, I don't see with them like too serious, the problem of not engaging in a conversation, staring at their phones, things like that. So I look at a lot of the future of this technology as being able to automate and do other things to allow me to get out, out of the need to, and I get it, the dopamine of checking and saying, has somebody responded to that yet? And checking email and getting out of that cycle, taking care of those things so I can kind of retrain my brain to, again, just focus elsewhere except at, at the tech. So I don't know if that's – it's. Uh, an odd thing to think of, but I'm uh, very uh, uh, optimistic about the ability of this new technology to help us let go of technology to some degree. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that that's what is most fascinating about this latest phase of AI that converses with you, right? Is you start to reflect on humanity. Like, what does it mean to be human? We are ephemeral. Um, and here's this thing that will out uh, outdo me and it doesn't have to sleep, doesn't have to eat, right? We'll make way more phone calls than I can ever make as a, as a salesperson, right? Here's this thing with superhuman powers. But then again, we've, we've experienced this before. Your car is superhuman. It goes way faster than you, right? Um, but this one is making us reflect on what does it mean to be human? Uh, you can talk to my digital clone. You can talk to, we have the goal-oriented conversation engine. It will sell you really well on Yobi. It will answer all of your questions. But for whatever reason, my friends still like my very defective, not perfect self, right? And if you think about your loved ones, if you think about your friends and family, you like their quirks. You actually like the non-augmented version of them. I don't know why, but we're human, you know? So, and we've been trying to improve the human condition. If you look at a at a macro lens, you know we've had we've had bumps, and technology's definitely uh, taught us lessons on the benefits it can bring, and also the devastation that it can wreak if you don't think about it. You know, if you if you're not very very careful about it. But ultimately, I'm a big believer in the, the fact that humans are basically good, and in my own life, I've seen how quickly humans adapt. So we went from, I think, you know, we, we both remember rotary phones and then going from that to video cassettes to TV to I think about how fast that happened. And I'm pretty glued to my phones until I read a lot of neuroscience books. And I was like, yeah, and I started building apps and realizing how habit forming those little dings are mm -hmm. and decided I needed to build tech that would allow me to turn it off. So that whatever days I have left, I can live a little bit more meaningfully, you know, uh, and reflect on how lucky I've been to be building this. And I'm hopeful that uh, humans will learn to adapt. It's just different, right? Just yeah. like construction equipment comes out, learn how to use the construction equipment and things change. We, we adapt and I look forward to a future where we build more, where if you can communicate with folks that don't speak your language and realize you both probably want the same things like uh... that's one of the things i want the most i often i've shared a story i was on a a flight uh, having lived in seattle but uh, where i had two women who were chinese nationals that were over vacationing going to the seattle area and so i'm sitting there and when i had wi-fi and i was using translator app to sit there and and talk to them 
and because they spoke no English, and I'm, uh, you know, prayed for them and their travels around Seattle area, speaking only Chinese, uh, you know, bless them for taking that adventure. Um, but was describing to them like things that they should go look and go and do and things in and out of the city and that and it was fantastic to be able to do that on the phone. And of course, I was reliant on internet having the, the Wi-Fi was painfully slow on the on the flight to be able to 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 do some use some of that. But uh, you know, as soon as we landed and the Wi-Fi, you know, that my my cell phone picked up and it was faster, it was fantastic. To be able to have go into the Star Trek background, um, having the universal translator, um, as you say, using natural language and being able, able to ask for what you know, for, for something, for help with something, for the computer to, to understand you enough to know the context of what you're asking based on what you're reading, based on what, you know, email that you're responding to, um, you know, all, all that, that intelligence is, it's going to be incredible. It's, I, I don't know how much you're into like what Microsoft is doing, being a Microsoft tech person. Oh yeah. Microsoft, of course. Yeah. Right. But what Open are the we for for all of the uh, uh, I think they've 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 named some named poorly some products in the last few years, but their copilot is a fantastic name because it recognizes the connection between the user, the human, and the AI, and that it's an assistant, not a replacement of that. Um, that it still needs to learn from and work with. Um, it's a help to, and I, I just I love that. But I, I also uh, really appreciate uh, Microsoft, but others uh, out there also leading these conversations by saying, yeah, there's all these new things. Yes, it's very exciting. It's starting to speed up and the releases and how many people are focused on this. But the, that, the, the ethics around AI usage, being responsible, and I think that's Microsoft has their responsible AI program. Um, I think the fact that that that's at the forefront of the discussions is good. It's kind of like, I, I talk about governance, broader sense of governance, whether in project management where I kind of started in my career into technology management um, and, and even into the marketing realm, you know, the need for governance and, you know, know the constraints of the system that you're working within and, and make sure that it's manageable, scalable, you know, kind of all those things. I, those people have been, I, I think, burned so many times on ignoring what's responsible about the technology by being so excited about going and building and doing. So the fact that it's at the forefront of the discussion, mm -hmm. it's great because we, we are in a, it's like, it's, it's a maker's world. Um, you know, people are going and experimenting and building. There are more tools. I think it was Satya Nadella who talked to us like, everybody's a developer. I'm like, well, I'm not. But, you know, the tools are out there. I've gone and built things. I built chatbots. I've, I, you know, I build power apps and, 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 and workflows and kind of all those, those kinds of tools, which are kind of stepping stones into this world of AI. And he's kind of right because that's what I see is even programming uh, changing when you can talk to your digital synthetic assistant, right? And it knows you and, and you go, I'm having this problem. I was thinking about the solution. You build something collaboratively, right? Uh, and that's why we call it a, like the digital synthetic assistant and uh, we call ours our Yobis. So when you talk to your Yobis, 
uh, your Yobis work with you, you collaborate with them. And it's just an easier way for us to frame that and to understand it. And that's the whole promise of technology and the UX uh, movement is to bring technology to where the people are, as opposed to like, you know, just do everything in terminal. As a geek, I am a very big proponent of doing everything in terminal. But... <laughs> of course. Well, so I've got, while, while you're sitting here talking, so I went in, I downloaded, I'll have to go in and play with this. Uh, for folks that want to check it out and get started, kind of what, what are the steps to, to go and check it out? They can download it from anywhere. And uh, if they have any questions, I'm going to do something a little bit weird. I'm going to give my phone number. So you text 667-220-7187. Again, that's 667-220-7187. You can actually talk to my synthetic agent, which can handle incredible volumes. Uh, but please understand, you're actually talking to my synthetic agent, who's like my partner. So be nice. I, you know, I was going to share one thing. So I have a friend, so I, I, I won't uh, share the name, but is a training expert, creates a lot of content that's out there. And uh, this person went and uh, uh, paid some money for a, an AI assistant. Now this person does a lot of videos where their face is on the videos, like they're walking through. So it could be a 45 minute training, several modules, and their face is always small at the bottom right corner, but always there walking through what you're seeing with the technology. It's now 100% AI. They don't even have to do like a, a, a talking track. It's all a script and it was trained on their voice. And see, I'm very, I'm trying to keep, it's not a he or she, I'm saying they, just so that nobody knows People that know this space that I work in probably know who it is, but um, well, actually, I don't know if you follow me on social media. I think I just, but if I if I don't, I will after we. Are done if you do, you're going to realize some things. Well, as long as this in this conversation's not <laughs> AI, you know, but it, it but it's but it is amazing where uh, they've been able to go in and. Uh, and dramatically reduce the the post-production of the training videos around the technology. And for a lot of stuff, just enter the script in and it knows enough to know, you know, to, to break it up. You see the familiar face, you see, you hear the voice. It It's pretty slick. Um, it, it's not inexpensive to, to purchase that solution. But I think that is, again, you know, even that I understand that it's an AI that's doing that. The brain works. It sees the human form. It hears the voice and and makes that connection. And it's it's better than just a video without the face and voice there, um, you know. And, and so, but I, that's a, a, again another example of saves this person a lot of time in the creation of that. Um, people have asked me as a marketing guy, it's like, well, isn't a lot of the marketing copy that you're going to be reading now AI generated and my response is, is it good copy? Who cares? Right. Is it effective? You know? Right. I recently sent a fully AI generated podcast that we did. I was, my voice was AI, as was the interviewer. I sent it to my mom and uh, she was like, oh, that was a nice podcast. When were you on it? And I was, I was kind of, I was like, mom, that's not, that's, that's the robot. That's the, that's the Yelby. Yeah. And then she like, I could be like, what are you doing? And the following weekend, she called me up 
to like really inquire about like uh, what are the potential dangers of this? Could somebody just call me and pretend to be you, right? So I can't believe I had an AI ethics discussion with my mom, but at the same time, I can't believe that my mom thought that was me, right? Um, so it's it's definitely like we're in that early period. So I imagine like the first time you saw a movie, uh, there was a story about like uh, there was a train coming on the in the movie screen and everybody ran out of the theater. Yeah, because man, this has never existed before. And you see a train coming, you run. Yeah, but this was just uh, this was just uh, moving pictures. So I think in my head, I kind of frame it that way: is this is like the next generation of media that's a lot more interactive. Yeah. So yes, my voice can be there, my avatar can be there in the future, it can be answering phone calls. But just like I don't watch a video of you know my uh, my dad who's passed away and get confused that he's alive, like he's not, right? Uh, I think the next generation, not not the 10, not the 100 year next generation, I'm talking about like within five years, kids that grow up, they'll just be used to synthetic agents and understand that it's another form of media. It's yeah. another way, uh, like when the Gutenberg press came out, you technically immortalized yourself through your writings, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's just a medium. Yeah. In some way, it will immortalize you. It'll preserve a memory of you the same way the picture did, the same way the movies did. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's, you're human. This, you know, ephemeral, imperfect, aging, changing version of you is is something special. You know, there's reasons why. So my favorite all-time movie is the original Blade Runner. Um, it, and so much of that kind of, you know, sci-fi, uh, and, and if you've ever written, uh, read any, like the hard uh, sci-fi um, novels, which are, you know, science-based um, that, that are, and a lot of the best, uh, you know, science fiction is, you know, has a, a, a reality-based, you know, uh, future tech, you know, that, that that's included, but um, it, it painted a, a fairly accurate picture of so many aspects of the, the technology. Um, I always used to talk about how uh, when I went to work for Microsoft back in 2006, um, there was a video that was in, uh, it's, it's like the home of the future, office of the future kind of video. And it was there, they used to do like produce these every few years showing kind of what they saw the future. My running joke was that like the, the person uh, wakes up in the morning and there's this picks up, you know, the size of a phone, just a, a flat piece of thick glass. And uh -huh. then suddenly it just lights up with digital uh, like video and he, the, he's touching it as he gets up and goes to the bathroom. He flicks it from his phone to the wall and then flicks it when he's done in the bathroom, back to the phone, walks out, gets in his car, flicks it. it uh, the car picks up, you know, whatever conversation he was in and, and then drives him in and all this stuff. You just think my running joke was that, Hey, in the future, invest in Windex because there's glass everywhere with fingerprints, you know, <laughs> germs everywhere. Um, so that's going to be the stock you want to hold on to. Um, but there's so much that was in that video, which seemed some of it just ridiculous. And here we have it. Um, we, we have that, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, things demonstrated live on stage at conferences um, where uh, it's just the incredible capability of the system. Some of it AI driven, um, 
you know, some of it where just you know, people that are interacting in real time um, with differing levels of permissions and access to the data. Like I might have a view of everything. I might pull you into a call, but you can only see this subset of the data of what we're collaborating on. And you join the call, maybe it's a board meeting. And then when we're, you're done updating your piece, which we see then updated in the dashboard in real time, you unplug, you're removed from that. I mean, it's so much of this, which is now a reality. It's, and so now I, I've just become, I guess, in, as I'm in middle age, uh, when I see these things, which might seem so futuristic, um, I, I'm instantly looking and saying, I see these components already today. I see this the reality. I see where they're going with that, or I see what they built this off of you could almost see kind of the pathway to the new tech. Actually, that's probably the best part of working in AI, right? Um, I'm, I guess I'm middle-aged too, uh, except I feel like more like a kid than I've ever felt before. Because here's this AI thing that does the handles work for me, talks to me. Uh, like up until now, you know, I, I just showed up to this. I got a notification with a summary and, you know, everything just gets handled. So if you, I don't know if you feel like that as well, because I think if you're a geek, when these new technologies come out, especially ones that are really transformative, very sci-fi, right? Uh, I love getting in self-driving cars, right? I'm like, I can't believe this thing is driving, right? Yeah. My kids roll their eyes like, what's wrong with you, dad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. I worked on this back in the day, right? Yeah. Um, I don't I, know. I, it's a really exciting time to be alive. I, no, I agree. There's a lot. Again, that's one of those things. Being, being in tech, look, I, I'm so nerdy. I was in telecom for a few years. I I worked on. I'm still. Every time somebody talks about how they like, I I still have a Seattle phone number living in uh, in in Salt Lake City. I worked on that project back at Pacific Bell number portability in the 90s. Right. So I was still very proud of that fact. Um, helped make that a reality. And you know what? This is probably a good time to bring that earlier conversation back. Now that we've gone to space and back, hence the transporter room. If you look back, one of the nice things about having this career is you can look back and look at what do you regret and what do you not regret? I don't regret being a geek. I think, as Steve Jobs said, the journey is the reward. And every time I go fly in an airplane and I use the Wi-Fi online, uh, especially in the fast one, uh, I worked on FlyFi. I'm like filled with joy that I got to do that. Uh, every time I get a boarding pass, I worked on a startup called Kinetics that did the mobile boarding passes, that did the check-in kiosk and then the mobile boarding passes. I wrote that C++ code. It's 80% of the, the 80% of the boarding passes that are spitting out this little thing. Every time I get one of those on my mobile phone, I'm like, oh, I remember that, right? Yeah. You just get so much joy out of building things and, um, as you'd mentioned, stay in academia or stay outside. I think as we get towards a world of plenty, uh, I think there will be enough for everybody. But if you look at your life and you've done something that you really love doing, uh, I don't think you regret that. I, I personally definitely don't regret, uh, regret that. There were times where I decided to go for a much lower paying job because, yep. you know, uh, it was a startup that uh, where somebody had a hole in their shirt and they were cool, right? And I looked at the next few years, what do I want to do? Do I want to be with these folks? 
And I look back and I never regret not taking the higher paying job. And in the longer term, it's worked out, it's worked out pretty well. Like even financially, you know, knock on wood, you know, with startup guys, you never know. Yeah. But I've done quite all right, you know, uh, even by Silicon Valley standards. Um, and I've seen that to be true for many other friends who are hardcore geeks. Uh, a good friend of mine decided to take a job at this uh, Silicon Valley company. I remember I was in the defense company back then. Um, and it was just a, the, the salary wasn't enough to pay rent. He had to like live with someone else. And I thought to myself, like, that is just not such a good career move. Well, that little company turned out to be WhatsApp. Uh, for you, as you probably Which know. Which I use every day. Uh, as you probably know, like well, everybody at WhatsApp did quite all right. You yeah. know? Yes, they did. So yeah. he, got to, he got to enjoy the journey uh, doing BlackBerry development. And, you know, and I just met up with him after I came here to the Bay Area. He was like, hey, looks like I won the startup lottery. But the best part is like, that's that wasn't the core motivation. The core motivation was, hey, this is cool. I can't believe I get to, that I get paid to work on this, you know? Um, and I think uh, in a world that is to come, I hope harnessing excellence and whatever it is that you do uh, is not only rewarding today, but will be the thing that is rewarded in society is just be excellent. If you make coffee and you love making coffee, I've recently gotten into it, right? Just do it slow and like enjoy it with friends, you know, like. Well, there, there's, that is so much in alignment with, uh, so I'm very involved in, in this ecosystem and the Microsoft ecosystem in the community side of things. And I, in fact, I was doing an interview with a fellow Microsoft MVP earlier this morning and again, brought up a statement I make again and again. It's like, you know, even if I weren't an MVP, I'd be doing the same stuff. I like, I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed learning. It's one of the reasons I love tech is because I'm constantly able to learn about things. Like almost every conversation I have, you know, with somebody else, a peer in a different area, like I'm learning about something. It's just... It's constant stimulation. It replaces the need for the little screens in my face all the time because I've got enough else going on. Um, but that's. I, but I agree with you. I think that there's more opportunity, um, you know, behind. I think that there's. It's there's creative destruction that's happening. So it's being things are being displaced by the future. It's it's always hard to see what that future looks like, and so you get a bit some of the doom and gloomers that are out there. And I'm, uh, you know, I, and I think that some voices out there are a bit heavy handed on the doom and gloom around the concerns real or perceived around AI. Um, but I think that the, uh, it, it's an important discussion around the ethics and responsibilities around as we build and, and go forward. But I see more positive than the negative going forward. I'm excited about the future. Me too. Uh, and honestly, I think this is the time that we should be more focused on humans because the real concern isn't to me, isn't the AI. The real concern is we've, uh, many of us haven't really reflected and many of us uh, might be in a, in, in a state of mind and an operating system where we haven't thought about the greater repercussions of the way we, that we live. Mm -hmm. uh, like speaking of TrepHub, the nonprofit, it was actually inspired uh, by my mentor, Mike Milken, who, uh, after my dad died, you know, I'd done all right on the entrepreneurial side, got a Rolls Royce and a house on the house on the water, 
and I was absolutely miserable. And I remember being like on the streets in New York as a high schooler, you know, being very poor. And what was sold to me was if you just had a lot of material things, you'd be happy. I had 11 cars. So I remember it was just ridiculous, you know, because uh, that's all I saw in MTV Cribs growing, yeah. growing up. I'm just yeah. thinking of the insurance payments. <laughs> oh, my God. It was it was ridiculous. And I I didn't realize why I was so unhappy because I had all the things that MTV Cribs said you should have to be happy. And I went to Mike Bilkin and he's a billionaire. And I was like, how are you not more miserable? <laughs> and he turns to me and goes, the worst thing you can do is give yourself too much. You eat too much or you ex you'll explode. Um, one of the best things you can do is look at how, what is the influence that you want to have in the world? What do you believe in? And what are the ways that you can contribute and give back? And I'd never even thought like that. So I started Trep Hub because I sat back and I said, you know, I really believe in geeks. Like we built things. We just, you know, irrationally like love building things. So we started a meetup group and uh, the first meetup was five people. And two of the other people came because I, I invited them. Uh, they were friends. So and I was really excited that there was two other weird people who wanted to get together, have coffee and talk about what things they wanted to build after work that became a thousand people very soon 30 startups and it was not that's the nonprofit trep hub and i i began to realize the secret of trep hub was actually that it was about community we love being around other builders we love being a part of a community and that's where happiness really comes from uh, and these folks were coming in after hours they were all doing really well they're you know well-paid engineers uh celebrated, decorated engineers, right, in the Space Coast, they were coming out because they just wanted to build. It didn't matter how much wealth you'd build. Um, it just mattered that you were in the process of building. And it was crazy how much value it unlocked. But more than anything else, that sense of community, that sense of doing something together, uh, there was just this positive vibe from that. And I think that is uh, the hope for the future and the hope for humanity, because one of the things that uh, came out of it, one of the things I'm really, really proud of is this organization called Steady Town, which rehouses um, homeless folks uh, who become homeless due to economic um, reasons. Mm -hmm. And it was founded by Keith Donald, who uh, was one of the co-founders of SpringSource. So here's a tech guy, a tech entrepreneur who really knows how to build things. And you see him still building, you know, from morning till night. And we can put a lot of good out into the world. And it makes you feel good while you do it and you don't starve. Well, the, that's pretty good. Again, that's why I said the, the community, the aspect of, you know, giving the community of, of uh, you know, I mean, it used to be being in information technology for my entire career. You know, I, I remember people who were, they, they saw their, their position, their status uh, as the information, the expertise that they hoarded. And so that was how they kind of, you know, they, they're in that role, they're, they're paid a, a lot, they're in a senior position because they're the experts on that topic. And I, I just didn't understand that. You know, somebody go and ask like, here's the information, here's where I found it, here's what you can go do for yourself. And, and that is very much the model now, it's completely reversed. It's the reward comes to the people that are open, that, that work, you know, out loud that are sharing that their knowledge 
and we're all we're all trainers we're all you know it, you know sharing collaborative in, in the way that we we work and that's how the community is is that it, it it really comes i think to to simplify that and this is how i interpret like what you just described it's uh, you know the the greatest joy that I, certainly i've experienced in in my life is when i'm providing service to others you know whatever its form and I, I look at a lot of, of what I do, a lot of the things I do for community, there's no dollars attached to it. I'm doing it purely because I enjoy doing it. Like, like I'm not, this podcast is not profitable. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have paid sponsors for it. I've not, I've been offered, I've not accepted for it I, because one, I, I don't want to be beholden to anybody on it. Like it, I just want, I'm doing it because I'm love the topic, love the opportunity to meet people and talk to people. And to go and do that. And and some episodes have taken off and others, you know, the five to 10 people that found it, you know, great, you know, but it's uh, the, the greatest joy that I experience in my professional life is when people, uh, and it doesn't have to be huge numbers. I've, I've spoken in front of massive audiences. I've, I think I've enjoyed more when I have five people sitting in front of me and it becomes more of a conversation and I can take a, a, a topic sideways and answer, focus more on answering their questions about it than going through my prepared material. Um, and it, but it, 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 again, it comes down to the greatest joy is when I can help somebody solve a problem, do it for themselves, learn something that, that they didn't. And, you know, it's hard to describe that that's where i get the absolutely you know, the, the, the ai movement is one of the things that is just super like it just makes me really happy and uh, it makes me happy also to know that uh, microsoft which was very protective of its tech before right like oh it wouldn't run on a mac right i'm using visual studio code on a mac yeah. uh not just visual studio code microsoft's a big proponent of open source now why yeah. because you put good out into the world, like you do, you participate, you understand the value of community and you understand the value of human creativity, right? And democratizing tech, it comes back better. Even though like logically, your first instinct is to be very zero sum, very uh, in the, from a longitudinal perspective, being a good person is actually good business. I haven't seen, uh, I've been very fortunate to know some of the top business leaders in the world. Um, and most of them, surprisingly, are very nice people, very grounded, um, because it's good business. It's actually good business to have good relationships with people and to not to be genuine. And along the way, you're you're happy with yourself too. You're not you don't get upset and you don't carry all the negativity, right? Yeah. So I'm hoping this AI revolution, uh, maybe if you, it's a really large crowd, you know. And you're not feeling like giving that talk. It gives the talk for you and it does a bang up job, right? So you don't have to pretend, but then you can hang out and watch it and you know have a more intimate conversation and a dialogue with people in the crowd, right? I, uh, I would I think I would love to be that first one that has the AI speaking, has it moving, and I just stand on stage, maybe do large hand motions. <laughs> you know. It, we then, should make that happen, man. That would yeah, be that would be fantastic. I, I would love that. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I mean, I really appreciate your time uh, on this, and I, I'm so I'll have, of course, uh, links out in the blog 
uh, and out in the podcast where people want to uh, reach out and connect with you. And uh, I may uh, be calling you or your your AI assistant and asking some questions about this, but definitely want to try this out. And always looking, and certainly within my community, I think there's always uh, a, a a little bit of a friendly competition around who's geekiest of the latest technology. Try things out. So uh, love to be able oh. to share that and promote that out. That's awesome. Maybe like since you understand the technical implications of it, maybe we'll build a digital clone of you and, you know, you understand early stage technology and how it is and you have to babysit it a little bit more. I'm speaking enough conferences this year. I would absolutely love to make that a reality uh, to do and have the AI do that and be up on stage and just like stand there. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I would love to try that out, but uh, yeah, maybe we could connect and talk about that. Absolutely, man. It, it was such a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, thanks for being a guest and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published on most Fridays and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.